Passions podcast. I'm your host, Tara Nelson, and I'm joined here by Jack Radford-Smith. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today, which is our now our fourth episode. We're very excited to have you. If you are a returning listener, thanks so much for listening again. And if this is your very first time listening, welcome. Also, we are recording this now on the 1st of January, 2019. So we just wanna say a big happy new year to everyone. We hope you had a great end to your 2018 and you are ready to smash some goals here in 2019. It's gonna be a really good year. So to start off the podcast, we're gonna fill you guys in what we've been up to for the past week before we get into a few lessons that we learned during 2018 and our plans for this year, which is now 2019. All right, so I know that Jack has some very exciting news, so he's gonna fill you guys in on what he's been up to for the past week. So yeah, I actually started training as I discussed last podcast, and I started on Thursday, which was the day after Christmas, or two days after? Uh, after Boxing Day, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, two days after Christmas, and I just started on Thursday and Saturday with a full body session each day just to get blood flowing. Yeah, I knew I was going to inevitably be sore regardless of what I did. So and I for sure was. My upper, I could barely move my upper body. So <laughs> I've always found that my lower body, though, takes a lot more to get fatigued. And I even on those days, I did a little bit more lower body because I know that, yeah, I'm a lot more f- fatigue resistant. So going back to the gym for the first time after having four weeks off, how did that feel? Because I've been doing it for so long, I I guess I just fell into the groove really quickly, as I'm sure many people do. And yeah, it felt so good just to exercise again because I hadn't really been doing many exercise, much exercise. I did a little bit of swimming, but I wasn't too fond of that. So Like two swimming sessions. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> something's better than nothing. But yes. it was probably good that I didn't do much anyway. And yeah, I'm keen to get back into proper training again. I I also did a upper session on Monday, so I basically started my normal split again. Unfortunately, we couldn't go today because obviously it's New Year's Day, but... Which sucks, you know. UQ Sport, I love them, but I don't know why they closed the gym on New Year's Day because that's when everyone wants to kickstart their resolutions. And <laughs> a lot of those usually involve fitness goals, but you can't go to the gym, so... Mm. But hey, <laughs> I would be willing to work on New Year's Day. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Tomorrow I have my leg session, so I'm just going to be careful with that and make sure I'm not doing any heavy hip hinge movements or probably won't even do leg press either. I'll just stick to some leg extension, leg curl. I'll do some blood flow restriction for those just to maybe that's a topic for another day, just explaining what blood flow restriction is. But just to break it down very quickly, it's just a way of restricting blood flow in the exercising muscle. And the proposition for that is that it increases the buildup or flow of metabolites, I guess, and which is one of the critical factors for muscle gain. So you have the load that you lift, the metabolites volume as well, the amount of volume that you do. So I think those are the three major aspects of muscular hypertrophy. So I guess um, blood flow restriction caters for the volume and the metabolites as well. Yeah, so blood flow restriction is like where you occlude a limb. So you might see some people in the, in the gym using type of like tourniquets around their limbs. And what it does is it helps blood flow to build up in that muscle. And it doesn't restrict arterial blood flow, but it does kind of restrict venous return. So you 
cause blood to pool in that muscle, you get an epic pump. But the thing is, is that you don't have to use such heavy loads. So it can be a very strategic way to still train, especially when you're injured or trying to recover from an injury. Yeah, I've definitely utilized it a lot in the past, especially with previous injuries. And like even when you're not injured, if you want to do like a finisher for arms or even legs, like just using occlusion bands occasionally can really help. Just adds another part aspect to your training. I think my Christmas present to you last year was blood flow restriction bands, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of shows the kind of couple we are. <laughs> How would you say that your back feels now? You know, are you glad that you took those four weeks off? Have you noticed improvements? Yeah, it's very difficult to say. I'm, I'm sort of hesitant to be too optimistic. Yeah. But when you think about it, so the pain that you were experiencing before you took the four weeks off compared to these past few sessions, would you say there has been an improvement? Yeah. That's great. Okay. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So, um, yeah, that's super exciting that Jack's been back to training. My week's been pretty standard. Uh, I actually did achieve something that I've been aiming towards for particularly the last six months. So last week, for the first time in my life, I squatted 80 kilograms and I did that for three sets of eight. And I know for some people that is just a warm up weight or, you know, that's not very significant to them, but squats have never been my forte and they've been something that I've really been persisting with particularly for the last six or seven months since I ended my prep. And a few months ago, you know, I started with two sets of 10 at 50 kilograms and that felt very uncomfortable. That was back in June, but I persisted. And by the end of the year, I set myself the goal to squat 80 kilograms and I got that. And I was so over the moon and it was actually pretty exciting because that was the very first day Jack came back to the gym. And, you know, I called him downstairs when I was about to go for my first set and I got him to watch. And I really think that probably motivated me because like in my head, I was thinking like, you can't screw this up. He's watching you, you know, he's back. You got to do it. So I think that pushed me even more. But um, didn't even look that difficult. To be honest. <laughs> it felt difficult. Squats are damn hard. No matter I swear what weight I'm doing, they feel difficult. But yeah, I was really proud of myself. That was probably the highlight of my week. Uh, but other than that, just, yeah, um, training a lot and swimming more. The weather's just been so gorgeous here in Brisbane and working a lot as well. So yeah, that's a bit of a wrap up of our weeks. Now, what we thought we would do is reflect a bit on things that we learned in 2018, because I know looking back to just 12 months ago, Jack and I were both in a very different mindset, I think, in regards to training and nutrition. Not necessarily bad, just different, but this year I certainly think that we've changed our opinion and our mindset for the better. <laughs> so Jack, I'm gonna let you start. We're gonna um, toss a few things around here, just a few little learnings that I guess we have learnt <laughs> over the last 12 months. So Jack, I'll let you kick it off. So yeah, I might as well just start with summarizing the biggest things that I did and we both did together. So obviously we both did our prep which lasted for me from around early December to late May so that was probably uh, around 20 to 25 weeks started my master of dietetic studies at University of Queensland and yeah combined with prep that was a very very big undertaking but I'm glad I did it all 
And also compared to our previous three years of undergrad, which was all just lectures, masters, a huge component of it was placement. So we were both in hospitals for the majority of our time spent during the degree. And those were long, long days. And that was definitely a new experience compared to just being in a lecture theater. Yeah, definitely. I was at um, QE2 Hospital and Tierra was at the Royal Brisbane. Yeah, not just hospital work. We also did some private practice work, had our course theory, of course, and examination period. But addition to that... Second half of the year obviously didn't involve prep, but I was just working through my injury. That took up a lot of my, probably too much of my thought processes as I kept trying to work through that and everything. But also we started the podcast as well, which we began after exams. Mm -hmm. We completed the ISAC course. Yep, which was the skinfold course. Yeah, so pretty full on really. And yeah, this was also Jack's first year working at UQ Sports. So that was definitely... A new experience. We both started working as nutritionists at UQ Sport, which was super exciting because I've been working there now for two years. However, you know, the first year I worked there, I was still in my last year of undergrad. But since we graduated as nutritionists, it was super exciting to be given the privilege to start having nutrition consultations with the members and they saw a lot of value in them and what's actually really exciting is that initially we were giving them away to members for free it was like a part of their membership they could either have a nutrition consultation or a fitness consultation but the employers at UQ Sport now saw so much value in Jack and I's services that we're actually no longer giving them away for free and they're a paid service now which is Really, it's a fantastic thing for Jack and I. It shows that, you know, people really saw value in what we were doing. And now we can start benefiting from it financially too, which is really exciting and will help to further our careers. So yeah, so going on to things learned from 2018. I want want to start with one. Sure. Okay, so (laughs) I think that Jack and I both certainly, we both adopted a much higher carbohydrate diet this year. Now we both, always eaten a lot of carbohydrates but let's just say near the end of last year um, this was around november december he was probably eating a lot more fat just because Mm. how high were your calories they were probably around five thousand i would say yeah so around five thousand and you know once you're up to that high of calories it I guess you can speak, right? It's just hard to eat. Yeah, it's more of a chore as opposed to an enjoyment. And yeah, probably not many people really experience that. Yeah, a lot of olive oil shots. A lot of... That's the thing. You you might have noticed Jack just said the word shots. So (laughs) Jack would add olive oil to all of his meals. And there's no issue with that. You know, olive oil is a phenomenally healthy food. However, I remember this one night... We were in Noosa and we were just like watching a TV show and Jack's like, I don't think I had enough for dinner. I think I'm going to lose weight. So he jumps off the couch and goes into the kitchen and grabs the bottle of olive oil, takes off the cap, (laughs) puts back his neck, just (laughs) takes this huge chug of olive oil. And I couldn't, guys, I couldn't even watch. I had my eyes covered and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't want to lose weight. <laughs> I think Tara is making it a bit more dramatic. No, it was that. That is exactly how it played out. And I, I remember telling Jack, I'm like, why don't you have something with carbs in it? You know, or why don't you have something with some protein in it? And he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's all just calories, which 
we know now it's not because at least carbohydrates, you know, when you eat carbohydrates, they have the chance to be stored as muscle glycogen. Or even if you eat extra protein, that has the potential to be broken down and stored as muscle glycogen. But guys, when you consume fat in excess, especially olive oil shot kind of excess, <laughs> it is very likely that's just going to be stored as body fat because fatty acids in the body cannot be broken down into glucose and they certainly cannot be um, converted into amino acids to make proteins. So it does sound a bit absurd, but I guess that's what separates some people from others. And if I hadn't have done that, I might have lost too much weight. And we don't, You can't build muscle in an energy deficit unless you're starting you from the gym or you're coming back from an injury or you're on sports supplements, special supplements. But yeah, I guess <laughs> I, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the best thing to do, but oh, not the it best still thing. worked. <laughs> it worked. Yes. It, Jack, Jack woke up the next day and he didn't lose a gram. <laughs> probably gained some weight actually. Maybe. But, <laughs> but, but uh, there's, I, I think there's definitely, I guess this year we've sort of shown that you can go from one side to the other. So after prep, as Tierra said, we were very carbohydrate focused. So we would probably keep fat to around one gram per kilo or even less, sometimes quite a bit less. Protein was around, I keep my protein very high at around three grams per kilo or even higher, just because one, I like protein. Two, I wanna make sure that I'm getting lots of animal protein, which is has a high biological value. And thirdly, it's very satiating. And during prep, obviously I was quite hungry and afterwards. But it does have its drawback. So I was, my fat was very low, my carbs were very high, and my fiber was also very high as well. And what I found was that my, the absorption of fat was so low due to the fiber that I was, my uh, hormones were having trouble coming up and also, yeah, especially you, bowel movements as well. Yeah, you actually had a blood test, didn't you? And it showed that you had pretty low testosterone levels mm, after which, prep which is very normal after prep, but it was, it was a couple, it was probably like four or five months after prep. Mm. Because testosterone is a lipophilic hormone, means that it is derived from fatty acids. It's made from fat, guys. And especially if you're following a very low fat diet for a chronic period of time, it certainly can have implications on your sex hormones, that's for sure. That's back in December last year, and that's when I really dived into the world of podcasts. And particularly, I discovered the podcast called Revive Stronger with Steve Hall, um, a fantastic podcast, guys. You really should check it out if you haven't listened to Revive Stronger already. But Steve was interviewing this guy called Broderick Chavez. I think that's how you Chavez, say it. Chavez. <laughs> All right. And Broderick is a huge proponent of high carbohydrate diets. If any of you guys listening right now, if you've heard the podcasts, you know exactly what I mean. He goes off his nut talking about carbohydrates for athletes. And I listened to this and it just makes so much sense, guys. Carbohydrates are the main fuel source for us during exercise. And carbohydrates are stored as glucose and glycogen within our muscles. And when we exercise, that's the main fuel source that we use to make those muscular contractions and fuel our training sessions. And when he just went off on a rant about how you need to increase the carbohydrates in your diet and fats really should be lower. I remember telling Jack about this and we were both just like, that makes so much sense. 
So from then on, and also with Jack's macros being programmed by Alan, they both coincided with one another and Jack followed a very high carbohydrate diet. I started to follow a higher carbohydrate diet too. My fats were never that high. I was around 90 grams of fat per day in my off season last year compared to Jack with his shots of olive oil. Probably 200 grams a day. <laughs> yeah, if maybe minimum. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I definitely, during prep, my fats actually got quite low, probably down to around 35, 40 grams per day. Then again, I was in quite a um, significant deficit there. Now they're up around 60 grams per day, which I find is a really good spot for me. So yeah, uh, that's certainly something we learned to fuel your training sessions and your body with more carbohydrates. And I think if you are not following a, like even a, like a moderate carbohydrate approach, like you just need to ask yourself why you're doing that. If you're doing that because you think it'll help with weight loss or it'll improve your training, there isn't very much evidence to show that really at all. So at the end of the day, it really does come down to energy intake and fat at nine calories per gram is certainly it's more than twice as energy dense per gram as carbohydrates or protein. And if you have more carbohydrates, you're going to have more energy and you're going to be able to burn more calories overall during your training sessions. And even if you eat carbohydrates in excess, it's actually very inefficient in the body to be converted into fatty acids and stored as body fat. It's called de novo lipogenesis, which means breaking down the glucose and creating that into fatty acids. And it's not a very efficient process. So the majority of carbs that you do eat are just gonna be stored as glycogen so you can use them later as an energy source. All right, so that's certainly one lesson that we learned. Now, another thing that we learned is that there is no such thing as a good or a bad food. And I have our dietetics master's degree to thank for this because working in a hospital environment, when you first go in on your first day, you follow this little food trolley around, which is giving all the patients different items of food. And at first glance, you think, oh my God, why are they feeding them potato chips? And why are they giving them juice and chocolate bars and cookies and things like that? But it's all context dependent, guys. And really, it comes down to calories, okay? And what we learned in the hospital is that someone is not going to recover nearly as well if they are in an energy deficit, particularly if they're in an energy deficit and they're not consuming enough protein. And someone's gonna die a lot sooner from a chronic illness, okay, compared to how soon they're gonna die if they have a piece of chocolate cake. So if someone is sick and you know they have a very low appetite, it's very strategic to try to get in energy-dense foods into their body because they need calories so their hearts keep beating. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Tierra was very food conscious when we first met and I was a bit more relaxed. Like I still ate very, very healthily with very minimal, to use one of a better word, discretionary food. But Tierra was like all into the kale shakes and yeah. lots of coconut oil. And I, I, I think back to it now and it's just... I can't even believe I thought like that, but I honestly thought they were magical foods. Like, I thought you would be super healthy and live for a really long time if you were always eating kale and, you know, you had coconut oil and nuts every day. And I never thought about calories per se or energy density. I just thought, oh no, you won't gain weight if you eat these special foods. But thank God this year we have 
We've, al we've always been taught throughout our nutrition and exercise science degree, you know, about macronutrients and calories, and we're very educated in that field. But for some reason, I just, I guess I convinced myself in the back of my mind that <laughs> you couldn't get fat if you were eating certain types of foods, and you were only healthy if you ate from a certain range of foods. And I look back now, and I, f I just feel so silly because it's so context-dependent, and at the end of the day, it just, it really does come down to energy density, guys. Of course, food quality does matter, you know, the micronutrient and the macronutrient composition of that food. However, particularly with macronutrients, in the body, it is just going to be broken down into glucose, amino acids, and fatty acids. Funny thing is, though, we both still eat very little processed food. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I'm torn. I don't, you know, I, Jack and I both love eating like fresh food and we like eating really high volumes of food as well and that just happens to come from less processed items so mm. lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and lean meats have less calories so you can eat more of them and feel very satiated but yeah definitely when my calories um, climb back up again i'll probably start implementing more uh, well, not necessarily processed, just more energy-dense foods to minimize how full I am. And Tara's already started doing that because she's noticed that her appetite has gone down quite a lot. Yeah, for sure. I've um, This is probably some of the most calories I've ever eaten in my... Actually, no. I Last off-season, I was eating over 3,000 calories. Right now, I'm close to 2,900. But because I'm taking a much higher carbohydrate approach... It's a much higher volume of food, so I'm finding that I am becoming very full after my meals. Even though, again, I'm torn because I still love to eat, <laughs> and I am still I am still eating very high volume foods, and I just need to salad and oats. Yeah, I, but I love Cottage salad cheese. and oats. So what do I do, guys? I don't know. I'm torn. Th things could be much worse. You know, I'm complaining about eating a lot of food, but really, I still love it. Even, I just have to give it a while. Like I can't eat a massive meal too close to my leg sessions or sometimes um, mm, don't do that. I taste it. <laughs> Moving on to the next point, um, something that definitely applies to both of us again is how we've approached our training, especially training volume. And for me last year before I got Alan from Flex Success as a coach, I was basically doing excessive amounts of volume without enough recovery so i was doing a three day on one day off and just repeating that so usually six days a week i would just do four sets of eight to twelve for pretty much everything and i wouldn't really cycle that and i was found i probably got injury injured quite frequently because i wasn't uh, resting enough now with alan's help or pretty much exclusively alan he's taught me a lot more about cycling your volume throughout the week, ending it with a deload. And obviously that's very, very individual, but for me, it's usually around probably six to eight weeks until I deload. And yeah, I'm pretty amazed at how I managed to go on for so long before. And I was just finding it really difficult to progress because you're going into each session fatigued and but at the same time it's tough because we both love the gym you know and sometimes especially when you're in an energy surplus and you're eating a lot of food and you uh you don't fully feel like you quite need a rest day even though it would be really responsible to take one but i know it sometimes it's tempting to go to the gym yeah well 
I think, yeah, we also need to understand that just because you aren't like on your deathbed, like really, really sore, can't even move your legs or something, you can, that doesn't, you can be less yeah. sore than that and you, you don't, still That's rest. the thing, guys, you don't grow muscle in the gym, you know, you grow when you sleep and when you're resting. Yeah. Also, what will, for example, your calves, you used to train calves every day, right? How did yeah. that change? Well, I used to do around eight sets of calves each session. And eight sets every yeah, session, Jesus. Quite a lot. And yeah, I definitely did get growth out of that. But there's, you reach a certain point where if you don't manipulate your volume, then you're like, what happened for me is my strength just plateaued. And now I do much different approach, a lot less volume and manipulate these sets on a weekly basis. And yeah, I've... I even remember when Jack got his first program from Alan and there was one day there where it was like, two sets of bicep curls and we both were gobsmacked we're like what only two sets we have to message him (laughs) could this be correct is this a typo what are you going to get out of two sets of bicep curls but lo and behold alan was right and Yeah. (laughs) yeah i can definitely attest to that i used to do a crazy amount of volume like for example on a leg day i do squats rdls leg press hip thrusts Leg extension, leg curls, yeah, glute kickbacks, all these random things. However, I could move my legs and if weights were involved, guys, I promise you, I was doing it. What about your funky tricep one? Yeah, (laughs) well, that was on upper body day. I did this really funky tricep exercise on the... um, Probably saw it on Instagram. On the cable machine. Yeah, probably some hot chick was doing it on Instagram. (laughs) No, but I used to do way too much volume. But, you know, sometimes you hear in the literature, you hear other people saying, oh, volume is king. The more work you do, the more muscle you'll grow kind of thing. There has to be that balance between volume and load on the bar. So the intensity of the work, how, how heavy the weights are. And as you can imagine, me doing like 10 exercises on leg day and I was doing like five sets per exercise. God knows how. I was not lifting very heavy weights. I think at the end of my leg sessions, I'd be, what, how much was I glute kickbacking? Like 10, 15 kilograms? Like, <laughs> like, path- like pathetic weights. But I, particularly this year, I started following a program and I reduced the number of exercises I do per session. So now I only do like four or five main exercises during a session, guys. But every single set, I give it my all. And I'm lifting much heavier weights than I used to. I'm taking much longer rest periods as well. I just go when I feel like it. And honestly, I've been training, I've been doing resistance training now for three years straight. But just in this last year alone, I feel like I've made newbie gains again, just from following a specific program and progressively overloading. It just makes the world of difference. Mm. That's something Jack and I both have changed this year. Like we've always loved going to the gym, but it was only this year that we really started tracking our progress. Like I write all my lifts down in a book and all my training sessions and Jack tracks his use an Excel spreadsheet, right? Yeah, I use Sheets by Google and I just have that as an app on my phone and I track weight, steps, macros and all my training as well. So I would really, you can also download apps, but uh, sheets do it really well because you can just like average everything just using the formulas the results have definitely spoken for themselves like it's very it's difficult to judge muscle gain but definitely in terms of strength before i took my rest i was 
in ex like excluding legs because I couldn't really train them effectively. My upper, all my upper body movements were probably stronger than I were, was at 90 kilos, which is, and I was, yeah, 10 kilos lighter. Mm. So yeah, guys, if you take anything from that, please just track your progress and make sure that you are improving. Even if it's by, you know, a few reps per session, or if you increase the weight on the bar by 2.5 kilograms, or if you add in an extra set every single session, try to improve upon the previous session in some way or another. So yeah, now we're just going to talk about a few things that we have in store for 2019. Woohoo! Definitely another pretty hectic year um, filled of lots of exciting stuff. Lots of exciting stuff. So yeah, Jack and I, damn, 2019, this is going to be the year that we finally graduate from university. Four and a half years later. Plus school. Yeah, four and a half years later and we will be out of there. Might still be working at UQ Sport for a while, but we will be finished with class. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's the main thing on the cards for Jack and I this year is finishing our Masters of Dietetics degree. We'll officially finish class... I think it's at the very end of May, right? Yeah. yeah. It depends if we have exams or not. But. Mm. Jack and I are going to try to be sneaky and choose some electives that don't have any final exams. So that means we will be done hopefully before June. Yeah. And then graduation should be around early July. And then Jack and I are also planning to do our SDA course, which is the Sports Dietetics of Australia course. That should commence around in November, I believe, so near the very end of 2019. We'll probably have to fly down to either Canberra or Melbourne for that. It's usually a, a four-day, very intensive course, but that will allow us to gain that extra credential and call ourselves sports dietitians, which is the ultimate title, what we have been striving for for the past or 21, the past 21 years maybe, <laughs> whenever we decided to get into this. <laughs> So yeah, that's the main thing. All right, Jack, what else are we aiming to do this year? Uh, well, obviously we have our physique goals as well. So for me, definitely not going to compete in 2019, but like to get back on the train. Yeah, start making some consistent progress again. Com just try and forget about my injury and work through that as best as I can. All so right, so to hold you accountable, how much do you weigh right now <laughs> and how much do you plan to gain per month? So I weigh, this morning I weighed 80.9 and probably around at least a kilo per month. All right, guys, you heard it here first. <laughs> Jack, one kilogram per month. This is the 1st of January. So by the 1st of February, Jack should be almost to 82 kilograms. Yep. All right, so on top of, yeah, physique goals, we also have a lot of things in store for our business. Jack and I actually have some new clients that we are helping coach right now in preparation for season A, which is only, it's just around the corner. It's around 17, 18 weeks away. Mm. And we're helping a few of our, they're actually two of our friends that we have met through going to the gym through university and they share our same passion and our lifestyles as well. And they've reached out to us and asked to coach them. So this will be a fantastic experience for Jack and I. We're working as a team doing their nutrition and training programming. And also with our ISAC credential now, we will be taking their skin folds on a weekly basis. And yeah, it should be really exciting, you know, getting more coaching experience because that's ultimately what we want to do. And yeah, at the moment we have one physique athlete and Tiara is helping 
maybe bikini or sports yeah so she we still need to take a look at her physique with a close eye but she is right in the middle of kind of bikini fitness slash sports model yeah and yeah i might be helping someone with bodybuilding for season b as well which is exciting Mm. but i've got a good feeling like i know that as this year continues to go on jack and i would absolutely love to help others achieve their goals particularly in the bodybuilding and physique world so If anyone wants help with their training and nutrition programming during their off seasons and perhaps in lead up to season B, which is in September slash October at the end of this year, definitely you can message us on Instagram and we would love to help you out. We're looking to gain lots of experience in this field and we're both very excited and very passionate coaches. So yeah, we have other business goals as well. So sometimes the hardest part of start of making a business is starting and we would like to get over that hurdle and obviously our business is going to be called the Bodybuilding Dietitians. But, TBD. <laughs> and not just catered for physique athletes as well. We want to help general population. Mm, a lot of lifestyle clients. We really love and we're passionate and we're very well educated in all realms of nutrition. So we are willing to give a helping hand to whoever is highly motivated and wants to achieve their fitness and health goals. Mm. Yeah, so what are some other business plans? We're going to get a website up and running. This podcast has started to kick off and it's getting a lot of really positive feedback, which makes us really happy. And thanks again, guys, so much for supporting us. Yeah, if anyone has any suggestions for guests or even if you want to come on yourself and chat to us would be more than happy for any recommendations too Mm, for sure in the coming weeks we're we're planning to get on a lot more people to have interviews with in the health and fitness industry so that could be other physique competitors other phd candidates talking about their work other professors just anyone in the fitness and health industry who is passionate about this sport and this lifestyle and we believe would bring something really valuable and motivating to you guys can't forget Thailand as well. Oh yeah, Jack and I are going to Thailand in February, which should be... Oof, oh, I always want to say it the naughty way. <laughs> I want It's spelled P-H-U-K-E-T, and I always want to say fuck it. <laughs> but it's actually Phuket. <laughs> so yeah, if, if anyone's been there, we'd be open to any suggestions of what to do. We're staying at a resort in, I think, the sort of su- southern area. So mm, so we're staying with a with Club Med, which is awesome. We booked this like last year and we got an early bird special. So we'll be over in Thailand for seven nights at an all-inclusive resort. Mm. The main we- reason was for the unlimited buffet because we need to eat a lot. Oh, so. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please look forward to many Instagram videos of that buffet. <laughs> But yeah, it should be awesome just experiencing. It'll be my first time in Asia. You've been to Asia before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be traveling to Thailand in February. And then um, we have even spoken about, we're not sure yet, going over to Washington where my grandparents live. We might go visit them. Also, one of Jack's brothers is getting married over in the UK. He's getting married in Oxford, somewhere around Oxford. So we might, yeah, head over, maybe even combine a trip to Canada and UK if we have the funds. Yes. So that'll be so awesome. I can't wait. And yeah, just progressing with our own training and nutrition goals. So I know Jack's definitely going to get into his off season. 
I'm still tossing up whether I'm going to compete this year. I'd really, really love to. I, I want to dive into competing with the IFBB in the bikini category, but I haven't quite decided whether or not I'm going to prep for season B, especially with everything going on with Jack and I this year, especially if we want to travel in the middle of the year, if we have more clients who we need to coach throughout that. I do certainly think that I could make it happen. However, we're just going to have to make that call in a few months' time, whether or not I'm going to compete in season B or stretch out my off season a bit longer and then compete season A 2020, which would be really awesome because in March of 2020, that's when they have the Arnold Classic down in Melbourne. And that would just be such an amazing experience for my first IFBB show to compete at the Arnold's. That would be just amazing. So, I thought Arnold's just for pros. No, there's an Arnold amateur. All so right. the pro AM. Yeah, so that'll be awesome. Yeah, this year's gonna be good. And finally, Jack and I, after we graduate, we're planning to move in together, which that should be super exciting. I've lived out of home now for going on, oh my gosh, four years, almost four years. And yeah, that'll be really exciting for Jack and I to house hunt or apartment hunt and have our own place. It'll just be so nice. So yeah, many amazing things to come and I can't flip and wait. And yeah, we I need guess... to see if Woolworths can sponsor us. Uh, yeah. Nicole's. Yeah. Or if we're next to an Aldi, that'd be awesome. They're really cheap. Sponsorship would be better though. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll probably wrap it up there. So thanks a lot for listening yet again. Please feel free to tell any of your friends. Again, if um, you share it on your stories, we'll repost it to ours as well. And we really appreciate it. So Yeah. And just finally... What, and one last thing to end on, one thing that we learned this week. So Jack, I'll let you go. What's one something that you learned this week? So I learned that Tierra is a very good spider killer. Ooh. <laughs> yes, I've killed, I've killed two big spiders this week, guys. <laughs> yeah, both of them probably the size of my hand. So they're not, they're not small spiders. Mm. And Jack maybe has a little bit of arachnophobia. Well, but... it's passed down in the family. Yes, so. I guess blame genetics. But yeah, um... <laughs> The room that we usually stay in at his parents' house is prone to having very big spiders. Huntsman, yeah. Yeah. And but, if you're not from Australia, just Google them. Yes. <laughs> but hey, last night I proved that I am the huntsman and I got that son of a bitch. And <laughs> yeah, it, um, it took a few strikes, but luckily Jack's got some tennis rackets and we were able to sleep in peace, luckily. So yes, luckily there's no tarantulas. Mm, all right okay one thing that i learned this week is probably for the first time ever i've actually experienced what it's like to be in a real gaining phase and kind of be put off food like i'm a total foodie and i love to eat as i've said before and i love high volumes of food and usually i always have you know like a big salad for lunch and I always have a bunch of vegetables at dinner and I'll have a big bowl of oats and I'll just try to make it as voluminous as possible. But lately, because my calories have just been climbing, I just really haven't been feeling it. <laughs> so it's actually been really nice because I've still been sticking to my macros, but making less voluminous, but very delicious foods. So I've been making myself these big protein cakes that I usually have one per day, but now I'm having two. So they have a lot of wholemeal flour in them, banana, protein powder, and water. And then I've been putting like nuts and seeds and peanut butter on those, coconut oil, just to make it more energy dense and use up a few of my fats. 
Honestly, this maybe this sounds weird to some people, but I've only been eating vegetables once a day. Like I've only been having just a big salad at lunch and I'm like, that's my vegetables for the day. Like <laughs> that's fine. And then for dinner, instead of using some of my calories, you know, for a bunch of green beans and carrots or something, I'll just eat more oats or I'll have more rice or I'll have more potatoes or something. Just something that's more energy dense and a little bit less voluminous even though it still kind of is voluminous. But yeah, I'd say for the first time in my life this week, I've learned what it feels like to not really want to eat, but when you have goals and you need to gain weight, you just gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do it. Yeah, gotta do it. I shouldn't be complaining. My calories are like probably half the amount of what Jack's have been in the past, so. All right, guys, so I think we'll wrap this up here, but again, thank you so much for joining us on our fourth episode. Again, welcome to 2019. This is going to be one hell of a year. I hope you're excited. I hope you've set yourself some goals. And yeah, we will catch you next week. See you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>